Hi everyone! Shut up, let me do the intro. I know you're all fired up. (laughs) (laughs) Been having a little chit chat before, haven't we? We have, we have. We have. Hey guys, welcome back to the Well-Fed Business Podcast with myself, Connor Benham. Someone told me we should be introducing ourselves, myself, Connor Benham, and the evable genius. You do not get to know his real name. Today we're going to be talking about critical thinking the one skill that you need to get out of your own way. And so you can start avoiding unwarranted assumptions and biases that are fucking yourself up. Can I just ask something here? If you're going to introduce us, if you're going to introduce yourself, it's it's me, not myself. You don't need the reflexive pronoun at that point. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah, critical thinking, it's something I'm afraid most most people won't engage in. And it's understandable because it's it's a skill. We're not born that way. It's something we have to learn to do. There's a there's a kind of funny quote. It says it's like a, a, a meme almost. It's you know, there's a there's a table, then there's like a, there's like lay people, um, subject to cognitive biases and assumptions, and then there's scientists subject to cognitive biases and assumptions, and they know it. Yeah, most of us we we go through life, and I think everybody's susceptible to this. We we well we are because we're wired up this way. We we make assumptions. If you think about it, we have to. Because if we were to sit down and critically think through every decision we make, every time, every moment of the day, we'd never get anything done. Yeah, we would die. Because uh, we'd never eat anything. For instance, we assume. For instance, we buy food from a shop, and we assume it's safe. Well, it may not be, and maybe one one time in a hundred thousand, but it's not. But it's still an assumption. In that case, it's probably a fairly safe assumption, but it's still an assumption. And critical thinking would tell us that's a safe assumption, but would also tell us we could be wrong. Napoleon Hill, the Napoleon Hill of thinking, grow rich, um, and then that probably a better book in my mind, the one that or a one that came after, uh, grow rich with peace of mind. One thing he talks about is accurate thinking, which is close enough to critical thinking that we don't need to worry about any differences um, in this, certainly in this conversation. But really, it, it's, it's about seeing the truth of the matter. And the reason that's important isn't about being, being right in the, the moral sense. It's about if we want to change a situation or react to a situation, we, we have to take certain actions. Well. The basis upon which we take those actions, we can call our premises. Without critical thinking, we don't know if our premises are true are true or not. You know, and you can take this to the extreme. There's a great book by Robert Heinlein called um, "Stranger in a Strange Land," and there's a there's a, a a group of people, and it's like a profession. They're called witnesses. They're not like the Jehovah's Witnesses at all. But they, they, they are used, they are the ultimate critical thinkers. It's their job to think critically. So you imagine you're in a train and you go by a farmhouse and it, it looks white. Now, your average person will say that house is white, won't they? Whereas a, a, a true critical thinker, like a witness, will say there is what appears to be a house on that hillside, one side of which at least appears to be white. That's all you can say from looking at one side of a house. Well, obviously, if you were to do that with everything you did every day, you'd, you'd be a complete Mr. Spock and you'd have no friends. You'd be very lonely and probably die a virgin, you know? 
but strictly speaking, logically, that's that's what we can say. Now, it is fairly reasonable to assume if it looks like a house on a hill, it probably is a house on a hill. And if one side is white, it's not unreasonable to assume the rest of it is white as well. But strictly speaking, you cannot say that. You can only say that one side of that, that what appears to be a house also appears to be white. Now, that might sound like a, a contrived example, which, which it actually is, but it's a good example. Because in business, all right, a, a good example is this, for instance. Well, all right, let, let, let's step back a little bit. Your business cannot grow beyond the limits of what you believe to be possible and true. By analogy, if you get a baby pumpkin and put it in a jam jar, and then go away in the, from the pumpkin patch and come back in November, just before Halloween. All the other pumpkins would have grown to however big that those pumpkins can grow to, that within their, the, the limits of their genetic coding and the nutrients available to them and the time they've been growing, pretty much. Right? Whereas the pumpkin in the jar will not have grown any bigger than the jar. Now, if you think about it, our and I hate to use this phrase because it's used by fucking coaches and the like all the time. If we, if we are, if you imagine those, those, the jam jar are our limiting beliefs, what clients will pay, how much we're allowed to charge, the, the limits we can put on their behavior, like calling us out of the blue. Um, can we charge for uh, initial consultations, proposals and the rest of it, all those things. If, if we, set those limiting beliefs and refuse to challenge them our business and, and we as human beings cannot grow beyond that if you are if you are convinced you cannot charge for, for proposals and initial consult and initial consultations so you never even try you never will yeah well critical thinking if you say i have a client in front of you or a prospect in front of you says well i can't charge for consultations the question to ask is why not oh they, they won't pay it how do you know well, they just won't. What, have you ever done it before? Well, no. So you don't actually know your clients won't pay. Well, I'm fairly sure they won't. Okay. So how do you explain other people in your similar industries and the same industry? How do you explain they, they do charge and they get paid and they make money? How do you explain that? Now, Socrates, the fucking, one of the smartest men who ever lived. He must be. Because everything we do, the whole scientific method is essentially predicated on the Socratic method of questioning. Socrates, you can imagine, was probably the most infuriating human being who ever, ever, ever lived as well, as well as being smart. Because he would just ask the question pretty much all the time, how do you know? How do we know this? And that you might say, well, we take it on faith. Okay, well, how are you defining faith then? You know, and if you think about it, although it's infuriating, you have to define what faith is. Because if you don't, how do you know we're talk, talking about the same thing? Yeah, you have to define these things. Well, yeah, well, otherwise... How do you know that if I say, if I talk about a belief, well, if, if your idea of what a belief is is different from mine, we're not talking about the same thing. And it may be inconsequential. You might think of a sandwich as being two bits of bread with something in the middle. Someone else might think it was being one bit of bread with something on the top. It doesn't really make much difference. It doesn't matter a lot. But in things like business, it's, it's absolutely clear. We need to understand what we're talking about. We need to define our terms. That's why you have lawyers writing the contracts and people, people that, you know, doing big business deals and a handshake and a wink and a nudge. It's like, oh, no, you need, need to get the contracts in because there's, there's a high likelihood that the two of you have a different definition of something and now have different expectations. Um, I'd highly recommend, if anyone wants to see this in action, 
it's interesting that uh, we're talking about this today because I've spent the last few days watching debates whilst I work, um, usually from the left and the right, uh, politically speaking, and watching them debate. But they're professional debaters and they have a mediator. They're mass debaters. And the one, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) mass debaters. They do it a lot. Bunch of wankers. They masturbate a lot. They get clear on the terms constantly. What do you mean by that? Can you define how you're using that? And they get really fucking clear. So it's in black and white. So they know the tools that they're playing with. And then they get into a back and forth. And so many questions. Just trying to pick holes in it. And it's all Socratic questioning. Well, how do you know that? Can you quote this study? Can you quote that? But it's all it's all valid. And, and it's and, and it's necessary. It's the correct way to think. Like people, it's not just the reason I say go watch the debate is not to learn how to debate, but that's the back and forth that you should be having with yourself in your own mind. Well, when you, I mean, let, let's be clear. I mean, let's, let's do it ourselves. What do you mean by should? I mean, are we talking about a moral imperative here or something that's just a good idea? But this is true because people will say, oh, mm hmm. I'm not. I'm not messing around now. People say, "Oh, you sh- you shouldn't charge for calls." Well, said who? And what do you mean by "should"? I mean that that sounds to me very much like a moral imperative. There, whose morality are we using? Yours or mine? Or is it? Or do you believe there's some objective morality? And if there is an objective morality, where does it come from? And what if we don't all agree? You know, and it, it ties people up in knots. But that's not why we do it. We do it because we want the truth. Now, anyone who's read any of my books, certainly recently. The well-fed freelancer, for, for sure. I actually, I'm very clear on this. I talk about it in my boot camps in CAF2. I'm very clear on this. We are not here to sell anything until we know the truth. Our job as salespeople is to get to the truth first. That's why we ask all these fucking awkward questions of prospects. And because that takes time and effort and skill, not just our skill in asking the right questions, but then our skill in knowing whether or not the answers to those questions mean we can serve them as we as we should as I think we should. Okay, see what I did there. I made it subjective. I think we should. Yeah. In my opinion. Um, that takes time, and we should be. I believe we should be paid for that because it's work. Because if we people say I like I like to give value, I like, I like to help people. Well, if we imagine if I take someone through that that Socratic method of questioning, and I'm on the phone for them with them for an hour, all right, and I'm not paid for that. They go, well, either way, whether I'm paid or not, they go away from that call in a better position than when they got on the call because they know more about their own problem now and the possible solution, even to the extent there might not be a solution that we know. They're in a better position, in which case, is it unreasonable I I expect to be paid for that? Is it not true I've helped them? Yeah, I have. Have I given value? Yeah. You know, sometimes even being told there is no answer to your problem, you need to do something else, is actually valuable. I, th- I think that's valuable every time. I, th- I, th- I think that is just as valuable as a solution because it is a solution. Stop what you're doing. You're going down the wrong path. Yeah. So the point I'm making here is this critical thinking is not just something we should leave to people who do these televised and professional debates. It's not something we should leave to philosophy professors or scientists. It's something we should all be doing, in my opinion, all of the time, if we want to live more successful lives. And by success, I'm using the defini- definition from Earl Nightingale. That is the uh, 
progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal. That's how I'm defining success. If you if you don't use critical thinking, you're going to find it very hard to make any kind of progress on any goal. I think. Bit of a side note. Uh, just talking about sales. Proper sales done at the the top top level, the elite way of selling is so yes yourself over there um done ethically is just questions it is just questions and it's identifying that they have a problem that you can solve and then taking them through a series of mental exercises prompted by good questions to realize yeah this thing can help me and it's a good idea that i buy it the idea that people have of selling is so wrong and broken if you still believe that salesman is the pushy car salesman you i believe that you must re-educate yourself as a matter of urgency unfortunately a lot of a lot of people on both sides of the divide believe that and, and let's face it i mean say you're a freelancer or, or, a, or a consultant or a coach or any business owner you are both a salesman or woman selling stuff to others but you're also on the other side you're being sold to now most people's experience of being sold to is the is the is the, what I would call the, the 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 unpleasant side, the transactional side of selling, where people generally seem to view it as a zero sum game. Uh, so in selling you something, they're getting something from you, and they're winning somehow. They even use that vernacular: "We win the sale." You know, well, they win business. You don't. I don't win business. I trade business, really. Whereas my, my way of selling is very different. It's, it's not a zero-sum game at all. And I don't want it to be a zero-sum game. I don't want something from someone not giving something in return. That's not, that's not how I think things should be done. And I don't think, I think in the short, well, in the short term, it can cost you money. Long term, it serves you well. We, we've got a client now. He's a very good client. You know who he is. If you don't, I'll tell you after. Who came to me probably two years ago and said, I want to sell a product online. Can you help me? Yes, I could. I could have sold him on a several thousand pound program. But I asked him these questions and I says, look, go over there and buy this product from Shane Malak. It's a fraction of the price and it will probably do a better job of it because it's very specific to what you want to do. Went away. And he came back and he's been to our boot camp. He's in the inner circle and he will no doubt spend more. He's under private consultation with me. He will no doubt spend um, more money with us in the future. Without a doubt. Without a doubt, because he he now trusts me because I've given him good advice, you know. And I I I, I walked away from what could have been a several thousand pound sale. Which if I'd been the if I'd have been selling on a transactional basis, I'd have seen it as an opportunity to sell something. No, no, I wanted to, I wanted to see if there's an opportunity to solve his problem, and then whatever that solution is, it may me may, may it may mean selling him something. It may not, and it didn't. The best solution, in my opinion. That's what you call ethical selling. Listeners and watchers. It could all be so easy if people just listen, John, eh? Could all be so easy. I love this job. I love I love this business. I, I love what I do. Um and I find it quite frustrating when um business owners refuse to sell because their view of selling has been has been tarnished by the way they are sold to. And that suggests to me that that form of selling is the most common. Our way of selling is 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 very rare, really. I mean, I can only I'm only aware of one person personally as as an individual who does it our way, other than the people we teach, and that's Benjamin Denny. 
I got a lot. I mean, I like Benjamin. He's a, I just class him as a kind of friend. I don't know him that well. I'll be certainly friendly, but also on a professional basis, I've got the utmost respect for him because he's, he's fucking good at his job. He's better than I am at it. I'm telling you that now, selling face to face. Um, and he certainly, when it, when it comes to cold calling, um, he's a master and he's a really nice bloke as well. You're spot on the, that, that the bad way of selling is definitely the, the most common way of selling. Uh, and that's, a big contributor as to why people are terrified of entering sales conversations. But I reckon there's some, I reckon it's almost ingrained in us now, learned from our childhood. Because I remember growing up, if a salesperson was at the door, mum and dad, the house would erupt. Oh, for fuck's sake, you talk to him. No, I don't want to talk to him. Oh, fuck off. And then you open the, no, not interested, mate. Not interested. No, 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 not today, not today. Yet, yeah, see you later. Yet, yeah, over there, them over there on the road. I'd rather suck a turd out of Satan's ass now. Fuck off. Yeah, and the way they were, they were treated like they were treated. I, I'm not going to say awfully. They they weren't treated badly, but they they weren't welcome. They were not welcome at all. And seeing that at a young age, and because you go, who were they, mummy? Who were they, daddy? Oh, just salespeople. Oh, just salespeople. Oh. Of course, we're going to grow up thinking, "Oh, I don't want to be a salesperson." That's a really good, really good point. Yeah, I I, I never thought of it until that moment because <laughs> I was thinking critically. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know if you've ever studied the the sales books and and programs and stuff and the, the methods taught back in the seventies and eighties. Mm. The foot in the door. Yeah, they are awful. I mean, there's a guy; he's dead now. Zig Zig Ziglar. Um, and he was, he was, he was, he was competent. He was good. And he, he, his, his books are probably worth reading, but when you, when you do read them, if you read them with a, an eye, a critical eye thinking about the way we sell, and then you look about, he's got maybe 30 or 40 different closes. Each one has a name and they're all orchestrated and they are all basically about maneuvering the person into saying yes. There's a thing called a yes set. Get, get them saying yes, yes, yes to lots of questions. So when the when you get to the end one, you know it's just so contrived. Yeah, the answer to a question should never be no. I, I'm not suggesting. I'm not suggesting Zig Ziglar was um, dishonest or disingenuous or in any way a bad person. He may have been. I just don't know. I don't. I never knew the guy. But what I am saying is that way of selling is is horrible. And it is manipulative and does treat it like a zero-sum game. I've got to get a yes regardless. Yeah, it does treat it like a zero-sum game. And it's it's icky. I think so. But it doesn't sit well with me at all. No, it's, it's icky. You, you, you get a, a layman who's semi-interested in sales and they read that. I, I, I think it quickly turned them off it. Oh, are these the tricks? I knew, I knew sales. I knew sales is all tricks because they, they are. They're positioned as tricks. Yeah, aren't they? And they're called. Oh, here's a little sales tip and trick. A little trick, yeah. A little technique. I don't want tricks. I want to talk to qualified prospects who have a pain that I can oh, solve, and I can help. Yeah, and I can help them with that. That's it. And then I will take them through questions and a presentation that helps them realize the pain they're feeling how bad it can fucking get, and what will happen if they don't do something about it. I had a conversation yesterday. So, someone actually messaged me out of the blue on LinkedIn. I know him quite, well, I know him vaguely. I think he inquired about becoming a client at one point. 
and he said to me, I've written this post and it's going backwards and forwards a lot. And I think this guy, he named this guy, has got it wrong. Now, this guy, I, I couldn't see any of this chap's comments. I wonder if he's someone I've blocked in the past. But anyway, well, he's blocked me. I don't know. But anyway, the premise of his argument was all companies, there's no such thing as an ethical company, because all companies will, in the final analysis, um, put profits over ethics. And I says, well, first, a company is actually a legal entity. It's, it's not a conscious entity. It's not a conscious actor. Um, so a company is always driven by one or more human beings. So you can't have an ethical or unethical company. You can have an unethical or unethical culture in the company, but ultimately you can't have an ethical or unethical um, company in the same way as you can't have an ethical or an unethical book. Only the contents can basically reflect ethics or not. And then it says, and it says I, I've got a company, and I'll tell you now, my company will never put profit before ethics. And he says, well, you are your company. He says, well, no. I said, I've got a business partner. So it's, it is two people, and I said, my daughter works with us too, and she, ha she has no actual official formal say in it, but we do listen to her. And if she was to say that something was unethical, we would listen and probably take action on it. So I says, you know, you are demonstrably wrong here with your premises. Um, and to be fair, he was taking this, but then he came back and said something. He says, but that's just your biases talking. And it was his biases. He, he said something about, um, yeah, but I, I bet, or I, I'm pretty sure that most companies, and I says, but that's just a bias. That, that's an opinion and you have no evidence to support it you know um I, I think you blew it out the park there though when you thought critically and pointed out that the fact a company cannot be evil because it's it's driven by individuals and it's almost cowardly to blame a company rather than naming the individuals that commit the crimes you know when they say oh um i don't know big billionaire company microsoft for example commits fraud it's like no, someone with a name has committed fraud and they work for that company. Let's be clear, in legal terms, the company is a, is a person, it's an entity. It can commit fraud. But it's not, it's not a conscious entity. It's always got conscious... The, the conscious agency in every, everything we do is a human being. With the rare exception, mm -hmm. I suppose, if someone's got a company run by an AI. But that's a different thing. But behind everything is a human being. Yeah. making decisions. One or more human beings making decisions. Now, interestingly enough, I'm reading a science fiction story now where one of the premises is this, this company, it spans thousands of uh, uh, planets and things. This company has got so big, it has become a conscious entity, which is fascin a fascinating. Con it's got an emergent property of consciousness, which is fascinating, really. Um, but that, that's science fiction, and it's certainly not, not happening today, I don't think, in this, in this world. hope not. Well, the premise is, you know, if, in the same way as that our consciousness is, the, is, is, a, a, is an emergent property of all of the interconnections of our neurons, it's, this company is so, so big and interconnected, it's got its own consciousness evolved. And if you think about it, that's actually not too far-fetched. I've got a similar premise to one of my books, but it's not about a company, but I'm not going to spoil it for people. Like hive mind sort of deal. Well, no, not really, because a hive mind is, well, yes, yes, actually like a hive mind, yes. A hive mind is, is the, the super consciousness that comes from many little ones. So in, in that kind of way, yes. But it's, it's a separate and distinct thing. It's not groupthink. It's almost like a separate entity. Because our consciousness, there's no, there's no seat of consciousness in the brain that we know of. It's an emergent property, which is fucking terrifying, really. I don't exist, nor do you. you know? 
What I do, I'm thinking. Nope, sorry. Descartes was wrong. <laughs> I, think, I think we've done a pretty good job as talking about why, what critical think it is, why is it important for business owners. And uh... if people want to learn more about it, there's a few things you can do. The first, well, and if you don't, I think there's something fundamentally wrong with, with you because it means you're going through a life, I guarantee you're going through a life basing a lot of your decisions on emotions and uh, false premises. Okay. One is follow our work. Two is read the new book we've got coming out. Coming out. And three, best of all, would be join us for core control in February, the next the next cohort. If you want to do something before that, just go onto Amazon and Google uh, and search for Socrates, Socratic questioning. Yeah. It's it's a learned skill and it's a hard skill because we're not wired up for it. So the more you do it, the better at it you'll get. So don't look at what these deba- these professional debaters are doing and think, I couldn't do that, it's too complicated. Because you're right, you probably couldn't right now. In the same way as you wouldn't watch the Olympic Games and say, oh, I can't lift 250 kilograms with my head, therefore there's no point in going to the gym. Yeah, absolutely. So, in short, you have a shit ton of assumptions and biases that are likely wrong. However, it's not your fault because you're so wired to... Yeah, so do we hands up here we're not perfect uh, and it's not your fault or our fault because we're hardwired to spot that you fuck off to spot patterns and then and those patterns they used to keep us safe back in the day they used to keep us safe when we lived in the wilderness and were hunters but not no more however we live in the 21st century now or is it the 22nd century yet anyway 20, Connor, it's the 21st mate of course it's the 21st century we live in the 21st century. You don't need those things anymore. And they're now getting in your way. You shut up. It's now getting in your way. <laughs> it is your responsibility to educate yourself. Critical thinking is a learnable skill. It's not a natural skill. It's a learnable skill. You have to consciously use it, exercise it, and practice it. So, as John says, get on Amazon, read a book. At the very least, I recommend you go onto YouTube and just watch a five-minute video. Just watch a five-minute video. Get the basics nailed. You should have more than the basics now, to be fair, after listening to 28 minutes of this podcast. And then if you want to take your business seriously, yeah, buy our books, join our programs. Couldn't say further than that. Bye.